If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. Midi clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Fresh out the box. California Welcome to Fresh Film Fridays, the podcast where two dudes pick the newest films streaming or in theaters and discuss them. Today we're talking about 2022's The Outfit, which was directed by Graham Moore and is currently streaming on Peacock. I'm your co-host, Alec. I'm Justin. I'm curious what you thought of this, Justin. Well, I recommended it, so what did you think? I personally liked it. Yeah, I liked it too. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> all right, all right, shots fired. <laughs> No, I liked it. Uh, the British guy reminded me of, like, Matt Banover in 30 years. Dude, I texted Matt. So Matt's Matt Banover, obviously, if you listen to Wheel of Horror, he's a very frequent guest. But he's also the CEO and creator of Bards, our sponsor. Dude, I texted him immediately. I was like, you have to watch this movie. <laughs> when he was like, yeah, I came over here from England with just these shears and every cut I've ever made. I could see Matt doing that, but, like, <laughs> you know, whatever it is, his... Uh, tools are yeah dude very i was not expecting that at all because it's called like the outfit so i'm like i have zero idea what this is about didn't read anything about it, didn't know about the trailer and then it's like oh it's like michael kane cutting fabric <laughs> it's not it's not michael kane dude it's dude the, the opening you didn't think it sounded like michael kane in the prestige was like you got to cut some things <laughs> and then you make a little nickel day like it's the uh it's the old guy who played elon musk in don't look up yeah, exactly. He was also in uh, Ready Player One. He's like the creator of all of the uh, metaverse or whatever. Yes, I, I suppose without looking at him, all old British men do sound kind of similar. <laughs> I'm sorry, Bastoid, I failed you. Like, I was <laughs> expecting that, but no, but he's um, he was fantastic, dude. Mm -hmm. Like the whole time I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, he's either extremely manipulative or he's just like lucky. I don't know. Well... This only got a 7.1, and it wasn't in theaters very long. And the only reason I even remotely wanted to see it is because Dylan O'Brien's in it, the son of the gangster. Yeah. What else, what else is he in? He's in Maze Runner uh, movies. He's in um, the Monster like Apocalypse movie. Hmm. He, he's not like the biggest actor, but he's in some cool stuff. 
Okay. Well, all right, really quick before we dive too far into this, let me just give you a little little recap of what this movie is. So basically it starts off, it's about this British guy and his assistant, essentially, and they work in Chicago in the 50s and they make suits and it looks like it's owned by the mob, the Irish mob in Chicago in the 50s. And we don't know if it's like money laundering or what it is, but this guy just makes suits and the mob keeps coming in and, and messing with him and his assistant. You find out that um, there's some like, rival gang and there's a rat in this organization so there's all this drama going on with the mob and this cutter uh, is what his title is as a cutter he basically is watching what's going on and we don't know if he's the rat but drama unfolds that we'll get into in this podcast but um it's a very insulated plot like it all it all takes place in that one taylor's place right it doesn't go anywhere else no, yeah. I mean, there's there's like two rooms within the Taylor place, but the entire movie is in the Taylor place. Right. Okay. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I liked that. It, it really, really felt like a play. You know, characters would leave, they'd come back. I mean, I know you're not a huge theater guy, but could you see this actually being on stage? Like if you, uh, have you seen a play? Yeah, I, I, I've, I've seen plays. Okay. I don't know. Seen... Spider-Man on Broadway? Yeah. <laughs> And I, you're such an asshole. Yeah, no, it reminded me of that because literally there's only two, maybe three rooms or like sets, you could say, and people just literally enter and leave in kind of a dramatic sense because, you know, someone will come in with like the Chicago accent. They're like, the boss is coming. It sounds very like it could be like an artsy play. It could be a play. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the wardrobe and stuff and everybody just smoking cigarettes and their accents. And I feel like I've seen a play like this before. Yeah, and it's it's a very Chicago-y accent. Like, it made me want to eat deep dish pizza. Like, <laughs> I was like, it's. I know it's not as good, and it's mostly just the bread, but I just really want it. It's mostly cheese, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, the accent was really thick. I thought they were Italian. I thought there was going to be an Italian mafia thing. Like no. That. Al Capone. Al Capone. He was, he was Irish. Al Capone is not Irish. No, the main guy in this movie was Irish. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I initially assumed it was going to be an Italian gang, the mob mob. But then you find out that uh, there's a larger. That's a, okay. All right. So, so the outfit, the outfit, the name of this movie is basically this like FBI equivalent of the mafia or whatever. They're like the federal mafia, and they're kind of like we'll let you in if we think you're part of our group or whatever. The outfit. Are they real, or was it all just this guy, <laughs> the 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 tailor, the cutter? Well, the Chicago boss made it sound like Al Capone was a part of this organization called the outfit where like all the gangs kind of join and become like under the same umbrella. And within Chicago, this gang, which was Dylan O'Brien's family's gang was fighting the La Fontaine's, which you find out is like a French gang. Yeah. But they kind of had like uh what's that thing called in Louisiana? Creole. Yeah. It's kind of like Creole, but it was, dude, I didn't know that there were, or maybe this was fake French gangs in Chicago who were African-Americans only. Yeah, I also didn't know that. And I also was kind of confused where she's like, I've been here my whole life. And I was like, in Chicago? <laughs> I was like, really? Like, you have you have a very deep French accent. You, like, you <laughs> speak fluent French with a hardcore accent. She's like, I've been here my whole life. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know if you have. <laughs> but... So yeah, I think, and the, the way I viewed the cutters kind of like suit place was all the gangs go to him for their suits and tailors. And it kind of, I viewed it as like a safe place for all these gangs, like a ceasefire zone where like nothing bad happens there. And they kind of like 
exchange letters and mail and shit through this guy. But then you find out this whole time that he's kind of been playing everybody. See, all right, maybe I'm a little bit confused, man, because it, it felt like he was working for the Irish Mafia, this Boyle group or whatever. And, he was working uh, for himself. Yeah, ultimately, yeah, because, I mean, he was the one that knew where the tape was. But his assistant, she was the one who was the real rat. She was the one that was really playing everybody, but he just knew she was doing it and just allowed it to happen because he also was like, well, I don't like these guys either, so I'll just watch you, which is probably the smart. He's just a smart, observant guy. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that didn't make sense was he essentially killed off all his clientele. Like, he wasn't really participating in any bad events. He was just allowing it to happen, and they were his customers. Yeah, from what I gather, it seems like the leader, like the the, mis- the old guy, the Boyle guy, the old guy, he and this uh, Cutter were good friends. Like, they seem like they like had a mutual respect for each other. They're both, I think that guy was from Ireland, maybe he wasn't, but he seemed like he respected immigrants and was like, hey, you're here to make a new life for yourself. Like, I really like that sort of thing. But I feel like if, if given the chance, the Cutter wanted to get out of this life, like he wanted to get away. It seemed like he came to America genuinely to become a Cutter, to, to make tailors or whatever. And then he got kind of roped into this Irish mafia out here. And he's like, God damn it, I was trying to get away from this life. And now he's stuck in it. So I think he wanted his assistant to kind of screw them over. So he had a reason to get out again. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the whole movie, it just seems like he's a nice guy. And then you do find out at the end, he is an outlaw. He's a bad guy. And that's why he ran away to America, because his wife and daughter were murdered because of his previous life. Yeah, well, that's that's the big surprise in the end, which we can touch up on a little bit. I do just quickly want to mention, completely uh, irrelevant to, to the movie, um, <laughs> buddy on Twitter, Greg Zink, who hosts the at Smoky Room pod. Uh, he mentioned us in his last episode, which is the Marilyn Monroe episodes that he's doing where he it's a conspiracy theory that she was murdered. So he mentioned us and that was nice of him. So oh. I just want to plug him in real quick. Um, and that was at Smoky Room Pods. And I listened to his episode the other day and uh, I'm not the biggest true crime pod person just because. I feel like there's a lot of them, even though there's like 10 billion movie review ones. So I can't, you know, I can't really say anything. Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I just feel like I'd rather watch a documentary on something yeah. that that's real. But his his was really good. So uh, just a brief explanation is uh, it's a political true crime podcast focusing on history's most infamous governments, leaders, parties, policy and discontents. These deep dive storytelling pods will expose the heinous legacies of the political realm's most disturbing events. So go check them out. Definitely entertaining. And um, yeah. Well, Marilyn Monroe was killed in 1962, which is only six years after this movie takes place. So it all kind of connects, you know? It doesn't, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So this, like I said, I only saw this because of Dylan O'Brien. I do like the old... British guy. Not sure if he's actually British in real life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mark Rylance. Is he? Is he British? Yeah, he definitely is. Oh, okay. Yeah, this was good, though. I like it because there wasn't a ton of action, and I love mobster movies, and this was more of like the Irish mob, like we said, and the dude, I think his name was Frankie. Let me double check. There's Francis, who's like the main bad guy, basically. Francis, yeah. yeah. So basically, Dylan's dad, who's the, the head of this Irish gang, I don't know if he like adopted him, but he like took him in, right? He his dad was like a tomato seller on the side of the road or something. Francis' dad, yeah, yeah, and he took him in. But Dylan was still, you know, going to take over the gang when he grew up, and you find out Francis is his little dick. 
and I didn't think he was actually going to kill him. Yeah, I mean, all right, all right. This is a very new movie, so I don't. People probably have no idea what we're talking about, but yeah, basically, the movie kind of takes off when Francis and then the son of the the leader of the group comes in with a bullet wound in his gut. So you're like, oh shit! So they run into this tailor, and he's like, what the fuck are you doing? Sort of things. Like, you got to fix him. So they make him sew up <laughs> his wound. So the son of the mob, the mob boss, his son is bleeding out, and Francis, the guy who the boils took in. Is kind of like we don't know what his deal is, but he seems like he's being sketchy as fuck. And he's like, I'm going to leave. You're going to watch this guy and we're going to we're going to get to the bottom and find out who this rat is. So we don't know who the rat is. It could be Francis. It could be the cutter. It could be the son. We don't know anything. But the fact that they expect this tailor to stitch up a guy and hope that he can just like save him is crazy. Yeah, I, I don't think I missed it, but the bullet was still in him, right? I think he said there's going to be internal bleeding. And Francis is like, I don't care. Just do it. Like, it was just not. Because <laughs> they, oh, you know what? I think it went straight through him because they sewed the front and the back. So I think there was an exit wound. Okay. But still. But the dad kept saying, he's like, my son's got a mobble in him. I'm like, all right. All right. <laughs> but then he just got up and acted like nothing. He's like, I'm going to have a cigarette. Like, I'm fine. He's walking around like nothing. It's like, dude, you just got shot in the stomach. I feel like you'd be relatively okay. If it like if a bullet went through like the side of your stomach and just went out, I feel like you'd be kind of okay. I don't know. I don't know. know. (laughs) But I'm not imagining I'd kind of be like, all right, I'm ready for a smoke and walking around and stuff and like arguing with people like he's pushing Francis. He's literally like just keeps pushing him. And I'm like, dude, doesn't hurt you. Like, like, like blood, like squirting out a little bit. Well, that's why he's a future mob boss and you just host a podcast. No, <laughs> that's, no well, that's true. So, yeah, we don't know who the rat is, but Francis, keep, they keep mentioning a tape and Francis kind of gives it away that maybe he is the bad guy because he like really keeps pushing for the tape. Mm-hmm. And then it gets to the point where, I mean, obviously Francis kills Dylan, yeah, but then he like won't leave. He's like, I need the tape. He's like, we can't let the mob boss get the tape. So I wonder why he wanted it so bad. It really does seem like Francis is being genuine, even though he's kind of like a scumbag and the way he talks is very blunt and everything like that. Like, I do think he had the best intentions in mind. Yeah, I mean, he also killed the mob boss's son. (laughs) Because he was pushed to that point. It wasn't like he was, he gave him so many chances to be like, listen, you touch me one more time, I'm going to break your arm. And he's just like, well, yeah, fuck you. And he's like, all right, all right, dude. I've told you literally three times. I'm going <laughs> to you don't stop. So I know, but that's not how it works, dude. I, I agree. I agree. But what did he say? He was just like, you're dead. He's, he's digging deep. He's physically oh, yeah. assaulting he, him. He's going after his like poor dad, like all this stuff. Yeah. He's like, you're not going to be anything more than like a guy who sells tomatoes. And he that was that was the last straw when he mentioned the vegetables. Right. And he's just like, all right, you know what? <laughs> fuck you sort of thing. I do want to ask you, though, once Dylan's dead, the, the son is dead and he's put in the crate and he's just bleeding and Francis leaves. And then the dad starts talking to the cutter, just starts talking to him. He's like, tell me right now what happened. And he was about to. Do you think he is actually going to do it? Today's episode of Wheel of Horror is brought to you by Bard's Clothing. Remember that one time you bought a Cool Cat shirt and now you get bombarded with calls and ads for Cool Cat shirts? Well, at Bard's Clothing, the focus is on you and your story. A custom clothing company producing casual knits, button-down shirts, suits, and much more. 
All of Bard's clothing garments are created right here in America, so you don't have to worry about slave labor or killing the environment. Buying with intention to tell your story has never been easier. Go to bardsclothing.com to book an appointment, and be sure to follow them at Bard's Clothing on Instagram. It looked like he was, and the whole time that he was there, I was like, why doesn't he tell him, or like, why doesn't he go up to the bodyguard with the shotgun and be like, hey, like, Francis is bad. But you find out at the end that he you don't, he doesn't really want to. I think maybe he either changed his mind and realized, like, he could, how far could he take this? Because he was digging a pretty deep hole with these lies. Like, he was making up really far-fetched stories. Oh, I know, man. That was, that was probably my favorite part of the movie is just being like, how are they going to get out of this? How are they going to talk themselves out of this? Yeah. When he made up the story where he's like, yeah, your son came in here and he was shot and he was mad that he didn't shoot any of the LaFontaine. So he had to go back out there. That's why he didn't take his coat. I was like, dude, you literally can't come back from this lie. Like, that's yeah, a, it's a really big lie. <laughs> well, the, that whole lie. And then the phone thing, too. And he's just like, oh, really? Brilliant. I'll tell them right away. Like that whole thing when he's lying on the phone. You're like, dude, what, what if the mob boss was like, hey, tell him to hold. Tell him to, don't hang up that phone. Like, yeah. Ah. Or dude, what if the mob boss was like, hey, let me talk to him. Like, what if that just happened? Like, why didn't he just go up and grab the phone and be like, oh, good. Let me talk to this guy and find out what's going on. He'd be like, oh, got disconnected. Yeah. Spotty yeah, service. <laughs> so he somehow manages to orchestrate this entire thing that literally could not have worked out more perfectly if they wanted to. I mean, everyone's dead. They have the money. And now they just get to walk away scot-free, basically. Mm-hmm. I will say the tension... I thought once the African-American crew from wherever, New Orleans or whatever, they come in and we think they kill Francis and then the girl leaves. So everybody leaves. And I was like, all right, there's still like 15 minutes left. I was like, what the hell is going to happen in this movie? And then we find out Francis is still alive and he's got a gun. That seems bullshit because (laughs) first off, he was shot, what, three or four times, like in the chest and back at like within five feet range right right. and at least 15 to 20 minutes passed where he was on the floor bleeding out like no way may i'll say maybe i'll say maybe he could stand up after 20 minutes and fire a shot off but no way could he chase him around the room with the switchblade zero fucking chance (laughs) i mean that's how i feel about the guy smoking a cigarette with a gunshot in his stomach i don't know they make it seem like bullets in the 50s like don't do anything I mean, they were definitely shittier quality, but he was shot so close. I know. Multiple times from two people in the back. You're right. A pool of blood just underneath him for for at least 20 minutes as Mark Rylance is making a new suit and then burns (laughs) down the building. And as he's burning down the Francis, like, you know what? I'm going to get up now. She gets up. That's the other thing. He says to when all the guns are pointed at him at the end and he's got the gun, he's like, you have nothing to worry about, madam, blah, blah, blah. All I took out all the bullets in his gun. He didn't do that. Yeah. When when Francis turned the revolver to look at it, I was like, you're an idiot. You don't even need to turn it, dude. He didn't need to turn it to see if there's bullets in it. I know. I know. That was that was stupid. And also, when would Mark Rylance have been able to do that? There wasn't a time where Francis took his gun out, put it on the table and then like turned his back like they didn't have it. So, so what like i know it was just to confuse him for a second but like come on yeah i mean realistically if he literally because in a revolver you can you can see if you just look straight right like, right bullet in there so yeah, yeah he, what if he was just like no you didn't yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> exactly mark would have been like yes yeah, so i did he'd be like no you, you didn't <laughs> So that's why at the the very end or whatever, uh, right before 
the assistant lead. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Or whatever. She's like, you had this whole thing figured out from the start. And he smiles like, I sure did. It's like, dude, no, you didn't. And you're <laughs> so lucky that Francis was like, I'm going to look for it. I'd pull the gun away and look like everything rided on, on Francis being an idiot in that moment, basically. Yeah, there were there were three parts that kind of bothered me. One was that because it was it was so incredibly stupid. The second was when all three of them were leaving the boss, his bodyguard and Francis. And like Francis kept asking the boss, like, maybe I should stay, you know, just in case like something happens here. And he's like, no, I need all the guns possible. We're about to go have like a gang war with the La Fontaines, which Francis would have been killed if he went with them because they were ambushed. Right. And I just feel like no mob boss would say like, yeah, you just stay here when he's about to go like have a war with this other gang. So that that was completely luck. And then three was when the cutter yelled at the mob boss when he touched his shears he was like don't touch those i came over like overseas with those like you would not yell at a mob boss like that you're 100 dude i thought the same thing with francis i thought he was gonna be like shut up and get in the car like how much clearer can i make it francis he would for a mob boss he was extremely understanding like (laughs) he was listening to this like bullshit story that didn't make sense from the the cutter and the, the assistant girl and francis going back and forth back and forth and he was like so where's my son so he, and he sat down he's like i don't know what to do dude my boss would have shot someone's kneecap and been like i need the truth now <laughs> like, i mean i guess we're also looking at this like from the 50s lens where we're not looking at like goodfellas or like that kind of sopranos like all of that we're looking at like old school mob where maybe they weren't into like breaking kneecaps just yet I don't know. I don't know. But you're right. That guy was way too like, I'm going to just say what's convenient for the plot. Don't worry about (laughs) what I probably should do. Yeah. Also, the amount of blood, like Francis cleaned up all (laughs) traces of blood, not only on the floor, which would have required water, by the way, not just smearing it with suits. Yeah, yeah. But then he would have had blood all over him. And when he went to shake the boss's hands, he had no blood on his hands. I'm like, how the fuck did he do that? I know. There there were a couple moments like that where you're just like, this is a good movie. But there are a few things you're just like, all right, all right. I guess I just got to suspend my disbelief for a minute there. But yeah, didn't he shoot his head? Like, wouldn't there be blood on the wall? Like skulls, parts on the wall. Like, shot him. Like, didn't shoot him in the neck? There'd be a lot of blood. And then when they picked him up and shoved him in the little treasure chest thing, there would have been blood on his suit. And then the boss would have been like, why is there blood on your suit? And then when the 400 pound bodyguard sat on the the bench thing, it would have collapsed. (laughs) There was so much. Dude, the fact that like throughout the movie, it just keeps going back to the blood dripping a little bit. It's like there should be a 
pool of blood coming out of that thing now. I mean, all of his blood is gushing out of him, and it's just kind of like drip. And then, like, at 20 minutes later, shows another one's like drip, drip. And you're like, all right, come on, guys. But overall, I mean, it, it's a, it's a, it's an entertaining movie. It's not anything I'm gonna rave about or be like, you haven't seen the outfit or anything like that. But it's like a, it's like watching a like murder mystery theater kind of. Yeah, it was it was free on Paramount, right? I think I saw it on Paramount. Oh, I had to pay for it for, on Peacock. What you paid for this? I paid five bucks to sign up for Peacock. Yeah. Nah, this is free on Paramount, guys. Don't oh. don't don't pay for it, like Alec. Oh yeah, fun fact, guys. Anytime you're gonna watch a movie, I literally type into Google where to stream this movie, and it just tells you where it is for free. So don't be like Alec and waste five dollars. Well, I got to do Firestarter for Wheel of Horror too. So I was like, wait, 2022? Yeah. I literally just finished Firestarter 2022. What's it on? Dude, it's free on Paramount. God damn it. All right. It's free, dude. All right. I got to cancel Peacock tonight now. Dude, why do you keep... I thought you were stealing Eric's free Peacock. No, I steal his Paramount Plus, not Peacock. So I signed up for Peacock last night to watch Firestarter and this because I thought they were both on... God damn it. Oh, wait, no. Wait, no. I apologize. I saw the outfit and Firestarter on my Peacock app. Oh! Yeah. Well, look who's a stupid son of a bitch. <laughs> I, uh, I don't want to say too much because I'm going to be a guest on Silver Screen Savers podcast tomorrow talking about it. But um, I liked it. I liked it, dude. And people were like threatening to protest the Capitol over this. They're like, we will, we will take down the government <laughs> over Firestarter. Well, it was, I know it's a remake of a eighties movie, a Stephen King eighties movie, but the trailer look, yeah. doesn't look great. Oh no, no, oh no, dude. It's not. Listen, this, I never said this was great. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm going to jump into, I'm probably gonna have to watch it tomorrow, but we're doing Firestarter 1984 and then Firestarter 2022. Sort of both of them. And uh, I don't know. I've never really seen a bad Stephen King adaptation. So I'm kind of excited. Hoping this is good. I'm not the biggest Drew Barrymore fan. And I'm especially not the biggest child Drew Barrymore fan. So when I looked up that she was in the original, like on the cover, I was like, no, not watching that. You don't like E.T.? No, I just it's fine. I just don't like Drew Barrymore. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Uh, I mean, she's she's a nice lady. I don't know. He's got this new show, uh, like the Drew Barrymore show. It's like some, it's basically like replacing Ellen or whatever. What? Who the hell is going to watch that? Uh, whoever was watching Ellen. I don't know. And apparently she's in hot water because she was saying some shit about Amber Heard that was like, hey, that's kind of mean. So she had to like apologize for it. Or she's been like her first season. She's already apologizing and stuff. Like this isn't going to work. Yeah. So wait, you guys are doing Firestarter one and, and the remake in one episode, like a comparison? No, no. So we're doing 2022 this upcoming Monday. So in, in three days. And then we're doing, I don't know, whenever the 1984 one gets chosen on the wheel. Ah. We probably should have done Firestarter for this episode, the 2022 one, and then the 1984 one on Monday. That would have been smart. You know. Uh, yeah, you, you should honestly just combine it to one episode and do a comparison. But anyway, it's, this is besides the point. It's not bad. It's not bad. Get off Zach Efron's balls, everybody. <laughs> Well, yeah, but I mean, this this uh, outfit movie, did you have a favorite actor was like a standout to you besides Dylan O'Brien, who I know you want to like jerk him off or whatever? <laughs> I liked Francis because he had like he had like a like a rough gangster face. Like you could tell he looked he kind of reminded me of one of those guys that would be in like the great movie adventure ride in Disney. Yeah, where he's just like, what's in your wallet, folks? You know, the guy that like robs the trade. Dude, you love that ride. I remember it's when. Right. I know. I just remember when that ride closed down, you were like, 
fuck Disney. You're like so done. Dude, I mentioned it on uh I'm I'm throwing out a lot of names this weekend or this episode, but Hot's Geek News, I was on for their episode yesterday, the Star Wars original trilogy. And one of their hosts, Lauren, goes to like all the events because she lives in Orlando. And I told her how mad I was when that that ride closed. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Check out that episode, too, because we talked about the original trilogy. And it was sick. Just I just want to say this really quick, too. You know, you know, Brent, the guy we, we play Halo with who lives out here. Yes. He literally looks like a clone of Francis, dude. <laughs> um, oh, wait, but yeah, touching up on my favorite character. I would I would say it's the the cutter, dude. I mean, there's only like there's only like seven actors in the movie. Yeah, but I would say him because, and we can go to the ending now. When he rolled up his sleeves and you saw the gang tats, I was like, oh, that was sick. Yeah, that was a nice little touch at the end because the entire movie, dude, you think he's this like sad British Kermit the Frog like little Muppet guy, <laughs> and he's just like, oh, like he's always moaning and like looking down. He's like, I don't know, sir. Like he's just like sad, dude. When when Francis hit him in the head with the revolver. Yeah, that that was so unnecessary. I was like, hey, he's old and British. Don't do that. And then then he just dude at the end. Yeah, he's like, just so you know, I used to fucking kill people every day for fun. And it's just like, oh, my God. And he takes these like all these like snake tattoos and like all this crazy stuff. And he just keeps stabbing. No, no. Did he stab him with the shear or did he sit there for a second? He's like, no, my wife wouldn't like this very much. What did he do? No, he, he didn't. He didn't stab him. He got shot, and then did he like stab him through the throat? I don't remember. Definitely stabbed him once, but then at the end, when he was like, you know, getting his old life back, and he was like, "I'm gonna use the shears and just fucking gut him." He didn't though. He waited for a second, and then he bled out, and he's just like, "Yee." I don't. I don't, I don't remember to be honest. <laughs> yeah, but uh, I did like that that little twist at the end. Oh, the other thing we didn't mention: the receptionist. She is, you know, Leah Thompson from Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. That's her daughter. Okay, she looked really familiar. Uh, yeah, she de- she has like her mom's hair for sure, but not not so much the face. But I was like that from behind. That really looks like uh, McFly. That was an odd way to put it, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> do the same style. Well, because Marty McFly's mom, dude, Marty McFly's mom is in nineteen fifty five, and then this is nineteen fifty six. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. There's a connection there. Anyway, yeah, seven point one. I would give it. I'd give it a, a seven three. Wow. You liked it more than I did. Yeah. I mean, I also didn't pay. I mean, you know, but... wait, how do you watch it? How, what's your Peacock deal? How are you getting it for free? Oh, I don't know. I just pay five bucks a month, but oh, I didn't like, yeah. you know, it just gets charged automatically. Like, you, you took out your card, you entered it, you, you turned it over for the security code and you're like, oh. <laughs> I probably dropped it on the ground. It's like, oh, or enter the number wrong. It's like, Fuck. <laughs> but yeah, no, nah, I, uh, yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I'd give it a seven. I mean, it's, it's entertaining, you know, it's, not going to blow your mind, but it's it's a fun movie, you know? Matt Banover's going to love this movie. Oh, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't really have much else to say about this. It's kind of a... That's it. Yeah. Anyways, if you haven't had a chance, check out all the episodes Justin dropped throughout this episode. He's been making the rounds with all the Twitter podcasts. You want to name those ones again that you just did recently? Yeah. Uh, Star Wars Original Trilogy on Hops Geek News. And then tomorrow I'll be recording... Firestarter 2022 on Silver Screen Savers podcast. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, if you haven't had a chance, we did release our episode on The Sixth Sense this uh, past Monday for Wheel of Horror. And then on Monday, we'll be doing our own review of uh, Firestarter. We're going to have Dom Berger, who read the book. So he's going to tell us all the differences. So get ready for that. Anyways, everybody have a great week. And uh, Justin, fuck you.
Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.